you will bow your heads with me. Dear God, we come to you now at the appointed time and just speak directly to us, dear Lord. Allow us to hear your word. Allow us to hear the message that you have for us and then remove our pride and our motives, our will. Dear Lord, speak directly to us so that we can go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we've been working through 1 John and the approach that we're taking is we're pulling out the the teaching of fellowship and what that means and how fellowship is important um, because we are created in the image of God. God is a family inside of himself. He's three in one. He's a triune institution. He is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we are created to be in a family. When he saw Adam by himself, he did not like it. He saw that Adam was not complete, so he put him in a family. And we teach three in one in a marriage. There's a husband, a wife, and a God that reflects the image that we are created in. And then the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ, that should be fellowship. The relationship that we have in our marriage should be fellowship and inside of our families and also inside of our churches and our communities. And we're at a critical time right now where fellowship is not at the place that it needs to be. And it has been because of a lot of different reasons, the obstacles, you know, all the things that we've had to do. But um, we are now approaching a time when we need to make sure that even with the changes that could come or the obstacles that would face us, we need to be able to continue to have proper fellowship and do the things that we need to do so that people stay in, um, in touch with one another and that people know that we love them and that we uh, are there for them and continue to have fellowship, okay? So um, today, uh, this, is a, this is just a, a few verses here, and it brings out, it brings out um, something that it's going to be a, a, just a little bit rough, okay? I'll just go ahead and, and you might want to go ahead and do this and get, get prepared for it, okay? Because it, it spoke to me. Um, it kind of slapped me in the face a little bit. And the scriptures tell us, and I'm in 1 John, 2nd chapter, the 15th through 17th verses. So, three verses, but man, it says a lot here. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So those are our verses. It sounds pretty simple. But um, there are some underlying points here that are critical in maintaining and building a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. And we've, we've discussed this several times, that for this relationship to be right, that affects these relationships. And when, this, when these relationships are not right, that can affect this relationship. All right, so we have, we have a, a mandate to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and then that mandate is to reflect in our lives. So we are to reflect the life of Jesus Christ in the way that we have fellowship in these verses bring out some underlying issues, and sometimes it's things that we don't think about, and it's things that we don't really um, 
maybe express in words, but when we take an honest look inside of the things that we do, and here's the thing, the re in the reasons why we do those things, then you can come away and say, yeah, I've got some work to do, or this is something that I'm guilty of. All right, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you back to Genesis 11, okay? And Genesis 11 is when God has, the, they've come out of the flood, and God has told them to go out and fill the world and, you know, scatter, and they haven't really done that. And there's a, there's a king, his name is Nimrod, and he is uh, not, not a very God, godly king. In fact, he, he strikes out against God, and he is trying to claim power for himself and to kind of monopolize that power. And he is gifted in his organizational skills. He's gifted in his persuasion skills. And um, he has a lot of power at his fingertips. And he, allow, he takes people astray, and the people allow themselves to be led astray. And when we, when we think about that, we're, we're always like, why would, you know, how do people get themselves into this? Or why do we allow um, people to talk us in? Or how do we get tricked or deceived, and, and here's, the, here's the one thing that I have observed in w watching TV shows about it and, you know, reading books about the psychology behind, you know, human nature and all that, but when they, when they kind of go after the things that we want for ourselves, then we start to buy in. So when you start hearing things that you like, especially about yourself, then that attracts your attention. And then when you have underlying motives and underlying dreams or wishes or, or you know, things that you would like to have happen in your life, and someone can manipulate those, then we can fall prey and we can be deceived and brought in, and then we start doing things for the wrong reasons. And it is because of who we are that we allow ourselves to get into those situations because we have a very strong will, and we, as the scriptures say there, we are filled with, we are covered in our flesh, and the flesh has lust. It says it right there. So we do things because it makes us happy, it makes us feel good. Is it always healthy? No. Is it always something that helps build relationships? No. In fact, a lot of the things that make us feel good that we do destroy relationships, okay? It's the lust of the eyes, and that is where we can be you know, manipulated through things that we see and that we want and that we chase after, and then it's and here, the pride of life. And we are such suckers to our pride. And when things happen and, and, it, and it hits on our pride, then, boy, that, that's something that will move you into action. All right, so when we go back to Genesis 11, we have a world where they speak one language, one solo language, so everybody can... Everybody can communicate across the, the world, and um, there is one language, 
And it actually says, uh, like, there's one speech, which means there's not even an accent. And um, I, I watched some of those um, English mysteries. Have you ever watched those? They're like on BritBox or something. And they're good stories. I'm a big Agatha, Agatha Christie fan. I really like those books, and I like watching those, those stories. And, uh, but the problem is, sometimes I don't think they're actually speaking English. Because I, I, I can't understand the word they're saying. And uh, it's like, i got to turn the subtitles on. And, you know, and it's like, man, that didn't even sound anything what he was saying. And I know that if, he came, if those people came to El Dorado, they would be looking around like, what's... What planet are we on? And, and I'll never forget one time I was talking to a guy in New York, and he was like in the South Bronx, and he had some kind of accent going on. And I, I kept asking, I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Uh, what was that? And, and he, he was kind of an aggressive guy, and he said, hey, am I not speaking English here? And I said, I don't know if you are or not. I said, you have a really, he said, I said, you have a really thick accent. He goes, I have an accent. He goes, you sound like you're from the hills of wherever, you know. And so it was like we were, just weren't communicating, all right. And if you think about communication is where marriages can be destroyed, the lack of communication, the way we communicate, all right. And if you think about it here, there is, that's not an issue here. So they speak one language, and, and, they're, and they're together here. And it says that they went, instead of being scattered, they went and they took up resident in the land of Shinner, and, it, and it's kind of a plateau. It's not really on a hill, so it's on a plateau here, and it says that King Nimrod began to, to have them make, and he built like the factory or whatever they had at that time, to make bricks. And the scripture goes into detail about the bricks, and I, I want you to just think about this for a second because it talks about how it covers them and that the bricks would be waterproof. Now, why would that be? Why would they want to make waterproof bricks? And it says that they took these waterproof bricks and they began to construct a city. And then inside of that city would be a great tower that could reach all the way to the heavens. And, you, and there's several questions there. Why would you construct the tower? Why would you make it into the heavens? And why would you use waterproof bricks? Well, here is the reason why. First of all, the waterproof bricks, that is so if God ever floods the earth again, they're safe. So they're building a world to protect themselves from God's judgment. Now here's the couple problems with that. Number one, you can't escape God's judgment. Okay, that's foolishness off the just right off the bat. And number two, didn't God promise that he wouldn't flood the earth again? I mean, isn't that where the rainbow comes from? So you see what you see what's happening here? Is that number one, they are lashing out at God, protecting themselves from God. And number two, they don't believe in the promises that God has laid out to them. And if we're honest with ourselves, 
we don't do this to the level that's happening here in the land of Shinar with Nimrod, but when we go through a trial, just be honest with yourself. That's all I'm asking you to do this morning. When you go through a trial and you come out the other side, there are things that we do according to our personalities at what level, but there are things that we do to protect ourselves so that doesn't happen again. Okay? And sometimes these things are very destructive. So, for instance, you know, I, I read a book where, and, you know, like a, an overbearing mother can, you know, produce a, a you know, a, a, man, a son who is not a strong household leader, okay? Because that's what he has seen as his example. So there are, and then there are also people who like say, like I, you get hurt, and then we make these claims like I am never going to allow myself to get hurt again. So we make these claims, and now we're keeping everybody, you know, six feet away, all right? We're keeping everybody away, and we don't let anybody get close to us, and we don't get close to anybody because we've got these walls up, and we've been hurt. I get it. I know. I've been hurt. I've been the one that has hurt people. You know, that's life. But when we do these things to where we make these proclamations and we set these things, you know, in stone, then this is where we say, I need protection. And even though usually I'm the one who gets myself into these things and I make bad decisions and I can't get myself out, I'm going to save myself. So I'm going to adjust my living according to my thinking and my logic so that I don't get hurt again or I don't, this doesn't repeat in my life. And then we've ended up starting to make, you know, waterproof bricks so that we don't receive what we think would be negative judgment upon us or negative actions towards us. And when we do that, sometimes what we're doing is we're saying, you know, I know, God, that you could protect me. I know that you would be there for me, but on this one, I can't trust you on it. I got to take care of this one by myself. And if you're honest with yourself, you've got those situations in your life. You've got those certain topics that you are protecting yourself and you just haven't released that part of your life to God and you haven't allowed him to take that part over and the reason why is you don't actually trust him to take care of you now you won't say it in those words but through the argument that's going on in your head you justify and convince yourself that what you're doing is okay but sometimes what we're doing is we're building a, you know, a city with waterproof bricks. And God has promised that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Can't be separated from his love. And sometimes we just don't live in a way that we truly believe those things. All right? And then it says that they make this great tower. And what is the tower? Well, first of all, the tower is so that they can watch and see if the gods are... The angels are coming down. And then the other one is it's, it's a monument. It's a legacy 
to this people. And here's what I want to ask you this morning. Because if, if you go back to the, it says there, the pride of life, all right? That doesn't work on that screen. So we have this pride of life, and this pride of life is very destructive. And it's, it manipulates us because we think that we're being attacked and we look weak or, or we look hurt or we look in the wrong. But what we, need to, what we need to always be thinking about is do we reflect Jesus Christ? That is the thing that we're thinking about, that we need to be thinking about. And if, if we do things to where we want to build a legacy to say, you know, this is where Aaron Phelps served, or this is, this is because of Aaron Phelps here, or insert your name there, all right? If you're doing the, the things to leave a legacy of insert your name, then that's not really a, a, good, a good thing to do because, you know, we are here to give Jesus Christ all the glory and credit for everything good in our lives. And if we start building statues of ourselves, then, you know, then we're taking the focus off of Jesus Christ, and now we're putting a focus on us. And think about in your life, the way that you are approaching some of the serving, some of the roles that you have, and just ask yourself, just point blank ask yourself, am I doing this to please God and to glorify Jesus Christ, or am I slowly building a statue that somebody will say, boy, look what he did. That's a hard one to ask yourself. And when we get to the point to where we say, yeah, I've been building some statues, then we got to go back and start doing it the right way and start doing things for the glory of Jesus Christ. Because if we do it for any other reason, then it's just, you ever, the one thing about statues, they're, they're not alive, right? There's a, I love The Office. Anybody watch The Office? I love The Office. And talking about, you know, they were going to build a statue for somebody and they were saying it should be life-size and move. And, and Dwight says, no, that's a robot. So, okay. Sorry. These things are going on in my head up here. So I don't say 99% of them for your health and my job. So, but Sometimes we're trying to build a legacy, and the legacy that we're building is for us. And if we're going to build a legitimate legacy that's going to last, and it's going to survive the generations, then it has nothing to do with us. It's all about Jesus Christ. And I've told you this, is that in Hebrews, there's that scripture, it talks about how people were able to buy in and have faith and to go and walk in the will of God, that the calling that was placed in front of their lives. And these people were never going to see the realization of the promise. They were never going to see that happen. And they still bought in and walked in the path that Christ laid before them, picked up their cross each and every day, knowing that they weren't going to see the realization of that promise 
but because it would make the generations be in front of them recognize and realize the promise. And that is a true legacy. And you're, the, those people's names probably never be remembered, but man, that's how you build churches. That's how you change lives. That's how you change lives of people you will never meet, is not worry about the credit, not worry about the legacy, but move forward in the glorification of Jesus Christ. And then it goes on, it says, The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which, sons, which the sons of men had built. And, and, there's, the, and there's just the, the truth. And I know that we don't really like say these things in our minds, but sometimes we, and you don't have to raise your hand, I'm going to raise it for you, all right? But anybody here, like, try to hide something from God? <laughs> huh? I mean, we do it, right? It's foolish, but we do it. I mean, do you think, do you think God really was asking where Adam and Eve were? He knew where they were, right? He knows everything. And sometimes in our lives, we think that we can partition stuff off or do something in the dark. You know, he didn't see that, okay? And, but it, it's, just, it's just crazy, it, the things that we can justify and talk ourselves into. And God sees it. God sees it, and he sees everything that we do. And he knows our motives better than we do. I mean, when we are fooling ourselves, he's there to say, nope. I'm not buying it. That's not why you're doing that. And, it, and then um, there are some commentators here, just so I'm just going to throw this out here, kind of a, this is just a little Bible trivia tidbit, but a lot of commentators also say that this is, this is the um, prophecy of Jesus Christ as the Lord came down to see the city, to see what man had been doing, okay, which the world that the sons of man had built, and he was coming down to save it. Okay, and now in verse 6, in, back in Genesis 11, it says, now there's nothing that they propose to do that will be withheld from them. And, and here it is. Here's the truth. There's a lot of smart people out in this world, okay? There are a lot of smart people in a lot of different things. And when we bring people together, there's a lot of things that can be done. But if it's not done in the right way with the right motives, then it's not good. All right? And when we look back at this, at, you know, under the direction of Nimrod, that stuff was actually anti-God. All right? So when you're getting into things, you need to reflect on what are the motives what are the reasons why this is going on? Is this something I need to subject myself to? Is this something that I need to indoctrinate myself with? Is this something that I need to constantly flood my brain with? Is this something I need to sign up with? Something I need to join in with? All right, those are the things that we have to ask ourselves. And we have to do it with the right understanding of what the right motives are. And then when we come together with people, we have to do it in the right spirit as well. And that's what we talk about here all the time is that when we come together here, we come together for one purpose, and that is to glorify Jesus Christ. 
And let me say this, okay? If you're serving out of commitment or out of duty, and that's the only reason why you're serving, then take a step back, reflect, have some spiritual time, get healthy, and then come back and serve for the right reasons. Because that's true service. Because if we show up here and we preach, teach, shake hands, sing in the wrong kind of spirit, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And remember, when you come with something bearing on your mind and it's a negative thing, it affects the whole worship service. I know that sounds crazy, but it does. So we need to come, and we need to come together, and that is why we talk about forgiveness. That is why we talk about mercy and grace. You can't keep that stuff inside of you. If you're holding hatred against somebody, you've got to address it, and you've got to address it now because it is tearing up your soul. It is affecting your relationship with Jesus Christ, and it is reflecting, or it's affecting all the relationships in your lives. So we have to come together for the right reasons, understanding that God sees it all and that we are here to glorify Jesus Christ. And it says that God confused their tongues and he scattered them. All right? And the place where that happened is now called Babylonia, Babel. That's where the word... Babel comes from because he confused their tongue and now when you babble it sounds like confusion so he scattered them okay so let's just real quick go back to the scripture here and it says that do not love the world or the things in the world don't do the things in this world so that it will glorify man. Don't do things here that strike out against God. Don't do things here that steal the glory and the credit from Jesus Christ. We do it in the right spirit, and that is to glorify Jesus Christ. And, and I'm asking you, like, in the things that you do, come to it with the spirit that this, I'm doing this in the spirit so that Jesus Christ gets the glory. Okay? And I don't care if it's when you're taking your shopping cart over to the, to the thing, the stalls, all right? And everybody needs to do that, by the way. But when you take it over, don't take it over with hatred, you know, like, why do I have to put this thing up, you know? Take it over and like, you know, hey, I'm helping somebody out. That poor guy didn't have to go all over the parking lot and get them, you know? We're not going to bump anybody's car. They have an insurance claim, all right, that kind of stuff. Because if you love the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. So the flip of that coin is that if you are right in your relationship with Jesus Christ, it will project from you, and your motives become clear, and the reasons why you're doing things become clear, and the way that you're serving becomes clear. And then people who work for you, 
people who, have, who listen to you, people who you interact with, they come away with a different kind of feeling. Because when Jesus Christ was on earth, the people gathered around him because of the way that he made them feel was different than anybody else who had ever walked on this earth. So when you do it with Jesus Christ in your heart, those interactions will be different. It'll have a different impact on them. Have you ever had a negative impact on somebody and they walk away from you? You know it, right? How's that relationship work? Takes work to get it back, doesn't it? If ever. And when you have an interaction with somebody filled with love and encouragement, it's a different kind of feeling, isn't it? And it may set you on a different kind of trajectory for the rest of the day, month, or even year. It may turn somebody around. That's having the right motives. That's doing things in the right spirit. That's a different kind of fellowship. And the things that are going to kill it, again, are the things that we give in to the lust of the flesh, okay? The lust of the eyes and our pride. So this is the point in the sermon when I say the first thing you do when you get up in the morning is pray a prayer of emptying, empty me of me, and allow the Holy Spirit to be filled in my body so it fuels me and people have a different interaction with me. And it says, these are not of the Father, but these are of the world. And the world is passing away, so if you're investing in this world, and, and here's, here's where you find out, look at where you spend your time, look at where you spend your attention, and look at where you spend your money. Take an accounting of that, all right? If, if, where do you spend your time? The majority of your time, where is it being spent? Where do you spend or focus your attention? What's your attention on? You ever see the, the couple having dinner over there in a nice restaurant? There's some beautiful music being played. The ambiance is good in there. And you look over and they're doing this. I always tell her, and I was like, man, they look like they're having fun. <laughs> over there, like, I mean... And then you see the one, the, the lady's like talking and the guy's going like this, just shaking his head, just like, <laughs> I mean, we're laughing because it's true, right? It's funny because it's true. But look at where your attention is, your true attention, and then look where you spend your money. What are you spending your money on, okay? Where are you investing? What are you investing in? And if it's worldly things, and it's things of this world, I know you got to pay bills, you got to work, I get it, okay? I, I'm talking to me this morning. But we have to start doing things in the right kind of way with the right kind of priorities. Otherwise, fellowship dies. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So I'm going to have you stand this morning. This is a really brief set of scriptures, but it's a tough set of scriptures. And there's a lot of reflecting that should go on here. It's one that hits you right at the, right at the core of who you are. Why do you do the things you do? What is the motive? Are you doing things 
out of duty? Are you doing things to build a legacy of you? Are you doing things so that people will look at you and say, aren't you great? Aren't you good? Are we truly doing things and serving for the glory of Jesus Christ? Thank you for tuning into Star Church's sermon. We truly hope that the sermon edified you today and brought you closer to the Lord. For more information about Star Church, visit our website at stargbchurch.com. Once again, that's stargbchurch.com. If you would like to visit our church, our address is 4925 State Road 142 North, El Dorado, Illinois 62930. We now pray that God will bless you as you enter the mission field and bring his word to the world. And as always, we will see you next time here at Star Church.